Blog, Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Wealth DNA with Ron the Ronald Naraki. It's time to check your Wealth DNA so you can enjoy the second half of life. Here's the host of the show, Ron Naraki. Hello world. Welcome to the Wealth DNA radio show. Today is June 11th, 2011. It's 8 o'clock a.m. in Arizona and 5 p.m. in continental Europe where I happen to be today. Last week, the United States celebrated 235 years of independence. So, happy 235th anniversary, America, or happy birthday, as some prefer to say. In contrast, I was in Croatia last year, just about this time, and they were celebrating 19 years of independence. So, just a few weeks ago, they celebrated 20 years of independence, a little bit shorter than the 235. But I want to use that as an example because a lot of us were not around 235 years ago. So this Croatian example might be easier to recall. You probably remember the Serbian-Croatian-Bosnian war is occurring far less than 20 years ago. It seems like just a few years ago. And since I lived in Central Europe in the mid-1990s, I definitely recall it was still going on then. So more than 20 years ago. You see, in 1991, Croatia declared independence from Yugoslavia, much like the U.S. declared independence from Britain in 1776. That was not the start of independence. To the contrary, in both cases, it was a declaration of independence, which was received by the controlling government, be it Yugoslavia or Britain, as a declaration of war. And war there was for many years, many sacrifices and many lives lost. Okay, you say, interesting, but what the heck does that have to do with my wealth and the Wealth DNA radio show? Listen on, I'll explain that. Let me first remind you, you're listening to the Wealth DNA radio show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki, and looking forward to you joining us every second and fourth Monday. If you'd like to get a reminder directly to your email, you can do one of two things or do them both. Just send an email to ron at wealthdna.us. That'll reach me directly, and we'll keep you posted about future shows and events that we do. Or in the upper left side of the screen, up near the top, just above the picture, you're going to see a little picture of the boomer and the babe. There's a follow button. Just click that follow button, and you'll get notification of all the good shows that happen on this network. This show, as the name implies, focuses on building your wealth, not mine. Although, in the process, I might earn some money, too. And also understanding your wealth DNA. So back to your very good question. What does Independence Day and 235 in the U.S. or 20 years in Croatia, what does it have to do with wealth building? A lot, it turns out, and specifically the D in wealth DNA. Some people don't remember. Those are the three obstacles. D, N, and A are the three obstacles that stop most people from becoming wealthy. D is the desire. And when you become truly wealthy, by the way, you'll be independent, specifically financially independent. So you're starting to see the tie-in. Our objective here is to help you become wealthy and thus financially independent. 
The D in Wealth DNA, as I said, stands for desire. But just in honor of U.S. Independence Day and Croatia's Independence Day not long ago, let's say for today it stands for declaration. The D is for declaration. And one of my objectives today, I'd like you to make a declaration. Yep, you. you. No, don't look around you to make a declaration that you are financially independent. What? Well, just like the U.S. and Croatia, this didn't immediately mean they were independent. Instead, this started a war. Well, this war is going to be in your head, in your budget, in the way you spend and you invest. The war between having something you want today and having the wealth in the future. So that in the future you can afford anything you want or want to accomplish. A war between what you want to achieve and what everyone else thinks you should do. In other words, there's a forewarning. Part of those struggles, part of those challenges will be that your success is going to threaten a lot of people around you. In this war, you may lose some of those friends. The friends that don't want you to succeed, and you'll have to replace them with friends that want you to succeed, they will become more successful as you become more successful gladly be your friend on those terms. In order to achieve that independence, you first have to declare your financial in independence, just like those countries. I encourage you to do that today. Make today your independence day. and becomes the one you remember year after year, the anniversary. Your declaration of independence entails some sacrifices, as I talked about. Fortunately, it won't risk your life the way those countries and the armies and the people that lived in those countries did to get that independence. It will require sacrifices in lifestyle. If you truly want to be wealthy and financially independent, you'll give up some of those lifestyle things today. But it will give you a much richer lifestyle in the future. You see, too many people assume that since rich people can live a lavish lifestyle, that in order to become rich, you have to live a lavish lifestyle. You know I like analogies. So to me, that's analogous to putting the cart before the horse. And I can assure you that horses are not real good at pushing carts. I like analogies. I use them a lot. It's easier to explain things using concepts you're familiar with, like the horse and the cart, rather than something new or abstract. So even during this show, I'll use a few analogies, like the analogy to Independence Day. The path to becoming wealthy requires sacrifices, not lavish spending. By the way, a good book on this topic, I think it covers the topic pretty well, is The Millionaire Next Door. Thomas Stanley and William Danko wrote that book a few years ago. It's probably about 10 years ago now. It furthermore turns out that when people become millionaires, they realize all those material things that they did without for a number of years aren't all that necessary after all. So they keep living that modest lifestyle. You see, all of those expensive cars, jewelry, homes, they impress other people, including thieves. They also impress security companies who make a living protecting the things we buy but don't really need. I just uh, went through a uh, major fire at our office and part of my home 
And uh, with that, I can sure appreciate that the things we own aren't all that important compared to a lot of other things. So anyway, let's go back to those millionaires covered by that book, The Millionaire Next Door. Most millionaires continue to live modestly and build their wealth instead. You see, that's what the book covers. It talks about the typical millionaire. And partly because a millionaire today doesn't assure you're going to have a comfortable lifestyle for the next 20 or 30 or 40 years, however many years you're going to still live. Today, I'd say you need about 5 to $10 million to be at that kind of threshold of financial independence. So living that modest lifestyle kind of sticks with you afterwards, especially when you realize that just having a million or two million isn't all that big a deal today. Costs are pretty high. So anyway, I just gave you a very long answer to a question. Why is Independence Day in Croatia or Independence Day in the U.S. relevant to your wealth DNA? The first step to becoming truly wealthy and financially independent is to make that declaration of independence to decide that you're going to sacrifice some of the extras today to build your wealth for the future. That is a sacrifice. Not a lot of people are willing to do it. And that's why the D in wealth DNA is the first obstacle. That declaration or that desire isn't strong enough that people give up. They'd rather have stuff today. And then they complain that they're not wealthy. Now, today, as you saw in the write-up, our main topic is OPM. I'm sure each of, the, each of you know what OPM stands for, but just in case there's somebody else listening that doesn't already know, let's share it. OPM is other people's money. And as my producer reminded me, it's not OPM that we're talking about. It's OPM, other people's money. And let me share... To kind of start this talk, let's share a few examples of things you're already familiar with, back to the analogy. But these are real real cases of OPM. Some of them are very positive, and I encourage you to use them. Others bother me some. You can make your own judgment of which you like and don't like. Mortgages, the first one, and we're going to talk about that today. Very few today wait to buy their first home until they accumulate enough cash to buy it using cash. I sure, sure didn't. Most of us use a mortgage, which is by definition a pledge, a pledge of your property in return for borrowing money from a bank or from a private individual, quite frankly, to help us buy the home. So a mortgage is a pledge of the property that I'm going to pay you these terms and conditions if you help me buy the home. If I screw up, they get the home. If I do well, I own the home at the end of the mortgage if I decide to keep it that long. Anyway, in this case, who are those other people? Well, most likely it's a bank. Most mortgages that are done today are through banks, although more and more are done privately. So it's the bank that's the other people providing us the money to buy that house. Incidentally, these are the lowest interest rate, interest, lowest interest rates we've seen in a long time. And by the way, in general, mortgages are about the lowest interest rate you're going to get on long-term loans. You're just not going to find anything cheaper. Personal loans, company loans, uh, car loans, you name it, are, tend to be much higher. Unless there's a special deal somebody's given you. We'll talk about some of those special deals. Why? Because they're secured investments. They're secured by that home, and most people don't want to lose the home they're living in. 
Yeah, we know a lot of it's happened. But that doesn't mean they wanted to lose those homes. So it really is a pretty secure investment. Okay, so that's the first example of OPM mortgages. We don't think of it that way because we think of other people as individuals. But in this case, the other people with mortgages are banks. How about credit cards? That's my next example, and we'll also talk a lot about that today. When you go to the gas station or you go to the grocery store and let's say you buy $50 or $100 worth of gas or groceries, and that seems to be going up an awful lot, doesn't it? Chances are you pull out a credit card and pay using that. And then at the end of the month, if you're like me, you pay it off. So at the end of the monthly billing cycle, you pay off all of those accumulated credit card charges. In this case, who are the other people? Well, again, the other people happens to be the bank issuing the credit card. They're lending you money for free for 30 days. Now, if you contrast that to the debit card, the debit card saves the real t retailer a little bit of money, but you're not using the bank's money. You're actually using your own cash, and you probably don't have as much of that as banks do. And your money is not free. You can earn money on it. Bank's money, in this case, is free. Use it. We'll talk more about that. How about a third example? A car loan. Well, it's exactly the same as a mortgage. Now the pledge is the car, and it's actually structured a little bit differently because they actually hold the title and those kinds of things. But you get the idea. Banks and other sources of funds, and that could be a financing institution, could be car lease, quite frankly, and then later on you buy out that car. But basically any kind of use of other people's money to buy things or invest in things today. Let me give you a fourth example of other people's money. How about social welfare programs? Here, unfortunately, the other people, the OPM, is us. You see, our money is generously redistributed to help those that can't help themselves. And, and, and there is a good cause there. Many people that are infirmed or handicapped couldn't manage on their own, and so our money kind of gets redistributed by the generous government, since it's not their money, to help those people. But it's also used to help people that don't want to help themselves. That's the part that bothers me. But anyway, these are all simple examples you know of already that are OPM. So it's not some foreign concept that's totally new. You've never touched on You've never used. Chances are you use at least one of those, if not two or three. Credit cards, mortgages being the most common. Car loans maybe a little bit less, and then I don't think most listeners are on self social welfare programs, although some would argue, and I wouldn't, that Social Security is one of those. So if you're a retiree, you're now accumulating, you're, you're now earning money, but you paid in. It wasn't other people. It was your money that was paid in, plus some coming from other people. Anyway, today, I'd like to focus on those first two. So our OPM topic today will be credit cards. And it'll be mortgages. And I want to talk about using them more effectively. Then in the next few shows, we'll talk about some more OPM concepts that fewer people know about and even fewer take advantage of. They're also powerful, but just less known. So today we'll talk about credit cards, and we'll talk about mortgages. Are you ready? We've got a lot to cover today, so I want to make sure that I'm clear on this stuff. And, and reminding you, there is a chat window under my uh, picture of the Ten Commandments investing. Underneath there, there's a chat window. Feel free to submit questions there, or of course you can call in. I should give you that number, huh? I didn't do that earlier. The number to call in is 
And you can also call in through Skype, interestingly enough. I, I haven't used that aspect of it, but evidently you actually will be patched into to our uh, producer using a uh, Skype line. Anyway, are you ready? Let's talk about OPM. And I guess the way to start here is to make sure you know and clearly know, especially if you haven't attended one of our Learn to Earn a Higher Return seminars, there are ways to make money. 5% to 12% is kind of the typical range, 5 to 12% per year using money, whether it's your money or other people's money. Now, why do I start with that? If you didn't think you could make more than you could borrow it for, you wouldn't bother. As a matter of fact, why the hell would you do it? Why would you borrow money at a higher cost than you can earn on it? So I want to remind you, you can securely earn 5 to 12% per year without doing a lot of work, without doing a lot of taking on a lot of risk. It is secured. With some more work and taking on more risk, you can earn somewhere in the 15 to 18% return pretty steadily. I'm not pushing either one of those, but I can tell you they exist. I use them, and they make a heck of a lot of sense to use, and that's what we're talking about today. So anyway, you need to have that backdrop. If you don't know how to earn that 5 to 12% return, obviously, oh boy, this is going to be interesting. I've got some kind of uh, message kicking on here. Okay, hopefully that shuts up. Anyway, long story short, there's a phone message back in the background here. You can hear the foreign languages. So back to where we were. You need to know you can earn that kind of money. It's not a problem. You can do it. All right? Given that, or given that knowledge, remember the K in or the uh, K knowledge. I'm getting ahead of myself. That the N in DNA is for knowledge. Some people call it knowledge. I call it knowledge. The N in DNA is for knowledge. So I'm sharing with you some knowledge, both on the fact that you can earn that money, and secondly, on OPM and using OPM to earn more money. So ties in with wealth and DNA quite a bit here. Anyway, let's go back to earning those returns. If you don't know how to do it attend one of our seminars. We won't have any coming up until sometime in August. Or we can sit down for a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and I can explain it, even if it means we're at opposite ends of a video conference or a telephone call. Not a problem. Uh, we can easily do that. We just have to decide what time of the day it is and what day, and we can chat about it. So take that as a given. Here's, you know, Write it down. You can earn between 5 and 12% secured without a lot of work, without a lot of time invested. Now we can roll ahead. And let me ask you, here's my first quiz question for the, today, and for those of you in Arizona and California, you're probably saying it's too early for a quiz. But let's try it. Use the chat window below if you like, or feel free to call in. What's the one guaranteed investment that will pay you 8% or more per year? It'll even pay you 12 or 15 or 20%, sometimes more. And yes, I said guaranteed, so it is not the learn to earn or the earn to earn, earn a higher return um, framework. This is a guaranteed investment, pays you 8% or more. What is that guaranteed investment? Most people do not think of this, and it is so obvious after I tell you that you're going to kick yourself. But, yes, Arizona, California, uh, other parts of the West Coast, you're saying, I'm just waking up. It's too early. It's early in the morning. It's early in the week. All right, let me give you some thought starters here. CDs in the U.S. pay, what, about half a percent? Well, you can probably get up to about 2% if you stretch them out for five years. 
That's not going to do it, is it? So that's not going to be guaranteed 8%, because those are guaranteed by the U.S. government. Or how about U.S. treasuries, or quite frankly, most treasury-type uh, certificates in other countries? They don't pay anywhere close to that. Even if you got got 100-year terms on treasury bills, you're not going to earn anywhere close to that 8% guaranteed. Not today. Not very often in history. So let's see. In the chat window, any, any suggestions as to what that guaranteed investment is? There's a lot of you out there, maybe not necessarily our listeners, but a lot of people in the world that could really take advantage of this, and they don't understand that there is a guaranteed investment that pays you 8% or more. Give up? I'm not seeing anything in the chat window. Okay, let's move ahead. The answer is simple. Paying off any outstanding credit card balances. Credit card balances that you're being charged the standard credit card rates. We'll talk about other rates later. But if you're getting charged your standard credit card rates, you can guarantee yourself an 8 to 20 or even more percent return. See, I've got a great credit history and access to several million dollars in credit. And the best normal credit card rate I have is 7.9%. So I know the vast majority of the people out there pay 8% or more on their credit card balances, rolling them forward month to month. It's very hard to get caught up if you're paying 20% interest. Then month after month, you're paying money in, but you're not making any headway. Your credit is not getting built. You're not getting ahead. You're just spending a lot of money on interest, and it's not tax deductible in most cases. So anyway, 8% or more guaranteed by paying down any balances you have on your credit cards. Simple, huh? And yet, when we ask the question, most people don't think of that. They don't think of it as an investment, paying off their credit cards. And yet, they might be playing the stock market, buying some bonds, uh, maybe putting money into an IRA, and then there are some tax impacts there, before paying off all their credit cards. And there is the single best investment I can recommend to anybody. Yeah, you might do better in the stock market, but not today, that's for sure. So if you have outstanding balances on your credit cards, outstanding that you carry from month to month, and you're paying the standard rates, the best investment by far is paying off those balances. I emphasize but it's so damn important. So if you have those cases, uh, do it. Now, for those of you, like myself, that pay off your credit cards every month, you're saying, well, wait a minute, that's not fair. I don't have access to 8 to 20% guaranteed returns. Well, in essence, you already took advantage of that, and now you need to talk about the next step. So don't complain. You're doing the right thing, and I'm about to share the next couple steps to have you take advantage of good investments with other people's money. Because you, those people holding those balances, they are using other people's money but very, very ineffectively. They're paying a very high premium for that. And the banks love them. And bank executives are getting a great, great return on their bonuses because of those rates. So let's continue with credit cards and the ways to do OPM, good and bad. I already touched on one way to use OPM, Actually, I touched on two of them, one very, very quickly. But one of them is the bad way, and that's so important. Let's make sure it's clear. Now, let's talk about a good way, something I mentioned earlier, which is use your credit card. Maybe on all your transactions of, let's say, over $25, I wouldn't get carried away and do little trivial transactions, get kind of carried away here. 
and then pay off your credit card fully at the end of the month. Hmm. Simple, huh? Well, that's other people's money. It's free. You get 30 days worth of float, free of charge, and it's all working. It looks like some people are having sound problems. I don't know why, because it seems to be working at my end here. Um, a mute button, possibly. Anyway, that's a good use. Use your cards, pay them off each month, you get the bank's money, free of charge, for 30 days. And some of you are probably saying, well, wait a minute, but I'm taking advantage of the poor bank and, and, and milking them, using their money free of charge. Worry about the banks. Don't feel sorry for them. They make money on each transaction, and they also make even more money on those people that don't listen to this show. Those are the ones that use the credit cards badly, inappropriately, using a very high cost other people's money. They use their credit cards and don't pay off the entire balance. They're paying that normal 8 to 20% rate. So hopefully that's clear. The good way is use your cards, use them often, pay it off each month. The bad way, use your cards and keep it rolling month after month, paying a huge premium. Hopefully that part's clear. Okay. Let me remind you, during the show, we welcome you to ask questions. Chat window down below where you can just type in some things and you'll see that some folks are having some sound problems. And the other way is to call in, 917-388-4162. Let me repeat that, 917-388-4162. Let's continue this topic of credit cards because there's even a better way to take advantage of OPM than what I already touched on, which is to use them regularly and pay them off each month. Because that's just 30 days' worth on all of your transactions. It's tough to invest for a 30-day period. Okay. Now, here is some notes, important notes. If you don't use credit cards much, you probably won't have the opportunity we're about to talk about. Hmm. Also, if your credit reports or your Social Security are, are blocked so that no banks can send you special offers, you'll also be left in the dust by the rest of the listeners. So those are two words of caution. You have to use your credit cards quite a bit. And secondly, don't put those blocks on your credit card, uh, your credit report, excuse me, or your Social Security number, because those will, will at least stop some of the things to get getting to you. I'm not saying you can't get any, but um, anyway, we'll keep moving on that. Do you occasionally get some special zero percent offers from your current credit cards, or maybe from banks asking you to open a new card, a incentive zero percent? If not, you're doing something wrong. Probably one of those two things I mentioned. Your credit is lousy or you don't use credit cards much or your credit reports are blocked. Okay, So, full warning, if you're not getting a lot of 0% offers, you're probably doing something wrong. One of those three things. If you do get these offers, the big question is what do you do with them? Let me give you the three ways you can, oh, three ways you can do something. The worst, absolutely worst, is throw them away. Well, first of all, you're opening yourself up to identity fraud, and you're also not taking advantage of the good stuff. The bad way uh, is to shred them. Aha, okay, Tim's, Tim's asking a little bit about how to use this. Keep, keep listening. I, will, I think I will answer this for you. And then the right thing is to use those offers. You get the credit card application. It says you get 0% for X number of months, and I'm going to give you some examples here. Use them. Take advantage of them. If you shred them or throw them away, you will not earn money 
on OPM the way I and many other people do. Now, if you read the details of those offers, and it's worth doing that, and they're not very long usually, or if you ask some financial planners, they're going to tell you that they entail transfer fees. They might be 2%, 3%, or even as high as 5%. So do you really are going to lose money by using those offers? Well, if a person advising you is not far wealthier than you are, you might want to ignore them and listen to the rest of this show instead. I'll show you how to make money using those offers. And let me show you exactly how I take advantage of them. If I get a special offer, let's say for a new card, and an important note, and I'll touch on this a little bit later on, and I'm not in the process of doing a refinancing because I'm in the real estate business. I do a lot of those. If I'm not doing a refinance at that point in time, and there's no annual fee. I don't like paying annual fees on cards, so unfortunately American Express is not in my wallet. I take advantage of the offer. Now, same story if it's an existing card I already have, and they send me a special offer, and they say 0% or 2% or whatever. Again, if I'm not in the process of refinancing, first step is I try to raise my credit limit. I contact them and say, hey, look, I haven't raised my limit for a while. My uh, credit is good. I'd like to take full advantage of this new special you have. And then I take full advantage of the offer they sent me. Let's talk about how that works. Let me give you some specific examples. Let's say that the offer is for 0% on purchase. And that can be on new cards or it can be on your existing cards. Generally, those are 6 months or 12 months or 18 months. I haven't seen too many for more than 18 months. But you need to know that time period is pretty important in, in determining whether it's worth taking advantage of. If it's for purchases, I will now make all of my purchases using that card instead of my other cards. And I'll make purchases up to about 49% of the credit limit. During that time, I have saved up the money that I would have been spending on that stuff, and I tuck it away and invest it. Now, by the way, I might go higher than that 49% of the credit limit if, again, I don't plan to apply for credit in some kind of next few months or in the period of that special offer. So 49% is pretty key from a credit score viewpoint, but, it, but you can violate that. It's not a big killer if you're not going to be using your credit uh, score for getting more balances, for example, or for filing for um, uh, refinancing. Okay, if it's a balance transfer, taking advantage of it depends on the transfer fee and the length of the offer. Very important, there will be, in all cases, a transfer fee specified. I didn't say there will be a transfer fee, but it will be specified. What's important to note here, just like I told you, you can earn between 5 and 12% securely. That's important to know, otherwise you wouldn't bother with all this stuff. Second thing to know is anything below about 6% to me is cheap money. And I'll borrow and invest as much as I can at that rate. If it's 9 or 10%, I think twice because I can get cheaper money today. If it's a 3%, let's take some real examples now. It's a 3% transfer fee, and that's pretty typical, by the way, a lot of the banks. And offers for only six months, well, you can do the math. That's effectively 6% per year. In six months, I'm paying 3%, which is 6% per year. And that's kind of marginally worth it. I may not take advantage of the offer. Now, that same 3% transfer fee, if the offer is for 18 months, that means I'm only paying 2% per year. That's a no-brainer. I use it immediately or sooner. Now, you'll also see some that aren't 0%, or they'll give you a 0% for six months and a 2%, let's say, for a different time period. Let's take that 
2% rate. And often they'll be 1.99, sounds better, right? 1.99% rate with a, let's say it has a 2% transfer fee. Well, if that offers for six months, do the math. It comes out to 6% annually. There's the 1.9% annually and 2% for six months, which is 4%. So 2 plus 4 is 6% annually. Again, it's marginal. Anything longer, I'll use it. So they may give me a 0% for uh, uh, 0% rate with 3% transfer fee six months. Yeah, probably not worth it. They give me a 2% with 2% transfer fee, and it's out for um, you know 12 months, 14 months, 18 months. I'll do it. No doubt about it. Okay, get the get the idea. You have to be able to do the math. Compare against some threshold, and about 6% is pretty typical. Uh, and I know you can earn that much money. And you say, well, if I'm earning six and I'm being charged six, is it worth doing? The answer is probably yes, but that's not for today. Now, let me remind you again for some of those that are now asking, what do I do with that money to make a profit? And how about taxes? Well, we cover all that at the Learn to Earn a Higher Return Seminar, or just talk to me personally. And earlier I touched on, I said I'd talk about a little bit more, an important factor here. If I'm in the process of refinancing, or let's say you're about to buy a car and you want to use your, 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 your credit score to buy your car, uh, or, or some other need for financing, buying a home, a good example, then getting a new card or using a substantial amount of your credit balance on your existing cards will temporarily lower your credit score. No doubt about it. Keyword there is temporarily, but it will lower your credit score for the next month or three or four, maybe longer. So at those times, I seldom use those offers, or I will not use many of them. So if I'm refinancing, Offers come in, I might hold off using them. Okay. So there's the refinancing or the use of your credit on other stuff. It will temporarily impact your credit score. But I have good news. In the long run, as you use these offers more, and let's say you are paying 6%, you're only earning 6%, but that allows you to build your credit more, your credit score will go up. And by the way, you're going to get more offers. You're going to get more of these offers coming your way. So all of a sudden, that 6% for 6% didn't pay off. But what happens is you now get two more offers, each for a year. That might only cost you 3 or 4%. Mm, now you're starting to make money. So the good news is you're going to build your credit score and your credit capacity. In other words, your ability to get more of other people's money, OPM, whether it's from banks or from private individuals. All right, so there's there's kind of some, some overview of those credit card uses. If you think, by the way, and here's a big caution, underline it. Keep this in mind. If you're taking notes, take notes, caution. If you're thinking, hey, you know, credit card, OPM, uh, sounds a great idea. It's only 6%. Why don't I go buy a car using that instead of something else? You're not listening. You missed the early part of the show. Re-listen from the archive. That's not what we're talking about. The key is investing that money well for the time period of the special offer and then pay it off when the special offer expires. If you use the money to buy a car, a watch, or a leather jacket, or I don't care what you buy, how are you going to pay off the card when the offer expires in six months or 12 months or 18 months? Now you have a problem. And that, by the way, is why banks keep sending out those offers. They don't expect they're going to have intelligent takers. They're expecting the average Joe to just borrow the money, use it to buy something, and then pay them 8%, 12%, 20%, rolling that balance forward. That's not the listeners of this show. 
And the people that end up falling into that trap, they help finance the bonuses for bank executives. They probably don't even know what OPM is. And I suspect some of them can't even spell OPM. Anyway, I don't have enough time today to tell you all about the you know the best banks to contact and who has the best offers, but I will share a few tips. Okay, we've got a couple minutes here. Let me share three to four tips. If you are a veteran or for whatever reason work for the government have access to USAA, they have the best deals I've found often with 0% transfer fees. So if they're charging you 0% or 2% and 0% transfer fees, it is a no-brainer to use them. Get as much as you can and keep it growing. The more you use it, the easier it is to grow your limit. And recently, Citibank has been the most aggressive in the offers I've seen before I um, headed overseas. I think we opened two new credit card accounts with Citibank in June. Next tip is to use the internet. You know how to use Google or Bing or whatever search engine you like. Just use it to find these offers. Type in special credit card offers, 0% offers, low interest offers, balance transfer offers, any of those keywords, okay? And also company credit cards. If you have a company, get credit cards in the company name. Yes, you're going to have to guarantee them. Yes, that's, you know, you're going to fill out all the stuff and your social security number goes on it as well as the company's EIN number, uh, employee identification number. But what's important about company credit cards, you can get these same special offers and they're doing more. They never, I actually, quite frankly, a year ago, didn't see any coming for company credit cards. Now I'm seeing a bunch of them. Banks are getting more aggressive. They don't negatively impact your credit score, even in the short term. And they're going to help your company build its credit score. So no impact, even if you're doing refinancings, I'll use all of my credit uh, cards from my company first, even if I'm doing refinancings, but they don't affect me. They don't stop me from being able to, to, to guarantee loans. Unless, of course, you default, and now, again, we're not talking to people who listen to this show, but if you default, then you will be personally liable, and it will show up on your credit report. But as long as you're using the card wisely, company credit cards are absolutely great. So there's another tip for you. Okay, before we switch to the second part of the OPM discussion, which is on mortgages, let me remind you, during the radio show, we welcome you to ask questions. Either start a chat in the area below the radio player or call 917-388-4162, and hopefully I've answered most of the questions that have come up here. Um, okay, again, that number is 917-388-4162. Now, let's talk about mortgages. Mortgages, by the way, are the most emotional of all the financial planning topics I've ever encountered. If you want to start a discussion that gets hot and heated, ask this question in a group of people over cocktails. You're going to find there are two groups of people about the use of mortgages. And they have very strong beliefs on their, topic, on their position on this topic. Okay, So there's two groups diametrically opposed. First group, they feel you should use mortgages to the max. Take as many mortgages and, and take the highest amount you can on your properties. And when the property grows in value, go ahead and refinance, take out some more money. And then if interest rates are low, refinance again. And full disclosure, I am one of these people that believe in using mortgages to the max, not paying more than I need to each month, just paying them exactly what we committed to, no more. Then there's the second group who are adamant, as much as I am, that the best way to financial independence is to pay off all your debt, especially the debt on your home, your mortgage. Now you're financially independent. You don't have any money and you don't have any debt. Great. That's not financial independence to me. Anyway, 
There are even companies that help that second group. There are companies that sell you a program, I think about 3000 bucks or something, to help you pay off your mortgage and your debts even faster. I'm not recommending it. And ask them the question, if you talk to them, into your financial model that projects your spending, your cash flows, and how you would take advantage of this, ask them the question to type in the scenario where you earn more money as you borrow more. Their financial model cannot handle it. Uh-huh. See, they assume a W-2 paycheck. They can't handle a situation where my income rises as I take on more debt. Their assumption is you want to pay off debt. I don't want to pay off debt because I earn more. Let me put a caveat in here, another important caveat. There's a number I've kind of introduced today, so you may have to re-listen to the archives if you're not taking notes. If somebody has no financial discipline, which means their wealth DNA is zero, and essentially they'll spend any money they have available then I would agree with the second group. Those people should avoid all debt. They will get themselves into trouble doing with what I, what I recommend. I'm talking about doing something intelligent, something useful, something that requires some financial discipline, and that's important in this. Okay. Now, let me address this second group. Again, aside from those people that have no financial discipline, we'll agree on that. But let's talk calmly, intelligently to this second group the one that feels they need to pay off their mortgage to become financially independent. Let me share three arguments. The first, very simply, if you pay down your mortgage and run into a financial hardship, lose their job, uh, you know, recession, um, expenses go up, major medical, whatever it is, you go back to your bank and say, look, I've paid off half of my mortgage. I'd like to borrow that half back again because so I've got a little bit of financial trouble. Will they lend to you? No way. Furthermore, if you try to get your mortgage refinanced at that point that you have a hardship, it won't happen. You see, when you need the money, they won't lend it to you. When you don't need it is when you want to borrow it and make money on it so you can borrow more. Uh, Second argument, if you want to pay off your mortgage, that effectively you're saying all debt is bad. Because mortgages are the cheapest debt out there. The lowest cost debt are mortgages. So if you want to pay those off, that means you really don't believe in debt. And with that mindset, you'd probably say the profits I earn using OPM are a bad idea. And you're perfectly willing to forfeit those profits to earn less money each year because of your belief. Okay. There's enough ways to do things that each of us can have our own. The third argument, let me share an old story. I think it's an excellent analogy, which will probably explain why that's such a deeply held belief by so many people. Put yourself in Thanksgiving Day, and a little girl is helping her mom getting the turkey ready, asking a lot of questions as little kids do. She asked mom, she said, Mom, I, you know, why, why do you put the turkey in a pot? Well, it's going to be dripping while it's heating, and then we're going to cover it for a while and whatever else. Then she says, why are you cutting the tail off of the turkey? Or she says, well, that's just the way you do it. But why? Well, I don't know. But that's how my mother taught me. You cut the tail off the turkey, and you put it in the pot, and you stick it in the oven. But Why? All right, I, I really don't know. So let's get it in the oven and let's call mom. We'll wish her a happy Thanksgiving and, 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 and ask her. So they call mom and say, hey, mom, uh, why do you cut the tail off the turkey when you're baking it? 
roasting it, whatever you do with the turkey. And mom says, well, yeah, that's just the way you do it. My mom taught me years ago. I mean, that's just, oh, well, you know, you've got to, and maybe it's because of the fat in the tail. I, I don't know, but that's the way we do it. The little girl says, well, uh, but I want to know. So they decide they'll call grandma, great grandma in the case of the little girl. And she happens to be enjoying Thanksgiving Day at her um, assisted living uh, facility, and they call her up and say, Happy giving Grandma, how are you? And chat for a little while and say, Grandma, I got a question for you, a simple question that little Susie here has been asking. Why is it when you make a turkey, you cut the tail off? I said, well, I had to. My pot was too small to get it in. Otherwise, you see, ovens are a lot bigger than they used to be. And yet, a little bit of hearsay and things we learned from our parents or maybe even our teachers taught us, we keep doing them. Okay, what does that have to do with uh, anything to do with OPM and mortgages? Well, if your parents weren't wealthy, and I know your teachers weren't, then some of the things your parents taught you, they were not really qualified to be giving you financial advice. And yet, they taught you to pay off your mortgage, that it always should be paid off. And I'll tell you where that comes from. It comes from the Depression era. People that lived through Depression, maybe your parents, that's unlikely, but let's say it was your parents or your, or your grandparents, they learned that people lost homes during the Depression. Some of them lost them just because, like recently, lost jobs. Incomes went down. Terrible economy. Businesses were failing. They couldn't pay their mortgages. So some of them lost their homes just the way a lot of foreclosures have happened. And yet others lost their home because their mortgage was called. Yep, the bank called them up. Literally, their mortgage bank called them and said, hey, we're having a run on the bank. A lot of people need their money. And, and uh, could you come in and pay off your mortgage, please? That person on the other line said, oh, wait a minute, I'm paying each month. I'm getting my 100 bucks in. Everything's great. I mean, you never told me there's a problem. Why the hell do I need to pay it off? Well, we need the cash. So we're calling your mortgage. Please get that paid in, let's say, in a week or so. It uh, won't be a problem. I appreciate this is an inconvenience, but we really need to get your mortgage money back or we have to take the house. A lot of people lost their homes because their mortgages were callable. Now, when grandpa or dad told you or mom or grandma told you that you should always pay off your mortgage, did they explain that? No, they didn't know. It's kind of like the turkey story. They just did it. And taking advice from parents that weren't wealthy or from your teachers who weren't wealthy, it's not necessarily a great idea, as I always share with you. Do you ask your accountant for advice on plumbing? Do you call your electrician for advice on tax planning? Then why do you take financial advice from people that aren't wealthy or weren't wealthy? You see, the depression was a changing point for, turning point, if you will, for, for bank regulation, and things have really changed. Mortgage loans are not callable anymore. I won't say there are none in the world. As a matter of fact, I had one about 10 years ago, maybe not 15 years ago. But I had one. It was not in the U.S. It was a uh, um, Eastern European country. But anyway, today, mortgages are not callable. And yet, we still want to pay off our mortgage because grandma and grandpa lost their house during the Depression, or mom and dad lost their house during the Depression because the mortgage was called. They just never explained all the details. They just said, you need to pay off your mortgage. See, everything's changed. The pot is bigger, the oven is bigger. And yet, we're still cutting the turkey tail off because Grandma did. And FYI, 
here's a four-year information. The Hiltons, you know, the hotel chain, big hotel chain, still in business today, doing very well. They didn't lose any of their properties during the Depression. Yes, they were in business. All of their mortgages were callable, just like the other ones. Do you know why they didn't lose those properties? Hmm. There's a little bit of a mystery. Why don't I leave it at that? I will share the answer to that on our next show because I want to talk about how you take advantage of mortgages. So let me let me leave that question with you. Why didn't the Hiltons lose their properties when so many other people did? They had a callable mortgage on almost all of them. So where is this opportunity with mortgages? If you have been in group number two and you've been paying extra on your mortgage each month to pay it down faster, stop. Is that pretty clear? Just stop. You see, mortgage rates are very low. Rather than paying it down sooner, I would recommend you refinance at today's rate, which are in many cases below 5%. You'll never see those rates again. Or take a second mortgage. The home equity lines of credit are below 3% now on most of them. How do I know? I have one. My advice is run, don't walk to refinance the maximum amount you can on every property you hold. It's not easy in today's environment, but that's my advice. You say, but I only have $2,000 left on my mortgage. Why wouldn't I pay it off? Why would I want to refinance? I want to pay it off. Re-listen to the last segment here. Trust me, you can make money with that money. Now, what do you do? If you can get a fixed rate loan at these record low rates, let's say it's 4.5 or 5%, doesn't matter, do it. And you might want to even consider financing investment properties as many as you can that the banks will allow you to do. See, when interest rates rise again, you're going to be building wealth faster than China can produce T-shirts millions a day. Why? You see, the end result of this great recession that we're going through, much like the Great Depression, there can be more millionaires than ever before. I want you and each of our listeners to be among those millionaires. I walk the talk, by the way. Let me share my own situation. When I bought my current home a number of years back for about $300,000, I, imme- I paid the 20% down, but I almost immediately took out a second loan for the remaining amount, and basically I had total mortgages of about $300,000. Kind of like the no-money-down things you'll read about or hear about in midnight TV. I don't watch TV, so I don't know for sure, but that's what people tell me. The money I didn't use to buy the property or upgrade the home was immediately invested. Invested using the earn a higher return strategy. So I'm actually one of the few people, I'm paying, what, let's say, 2.5%, on my home equity line of credit and earning far more than that. So my house is actually earning money for me. My house and mortgage combined are earning money for me. Very few people can say that. Most people are paying each month to finance their home. It's a place to live. My house is actually earning me money. Incidentally, uh, property values did go down since I bought the house. Okay, so I'm underwater on those mortgages. What does that say? Does that mean I'm going to walk away? No, what it says is I'm glad I leveraged it when I did, because if I tried to do it now, I couldn't get that second mortgage and I wouldn't be able to invest that money. And just because I'm underwater doesn't mean I'm going to default and walk away. You see, I signed a contract. I'm going to honor it. And I also feel house prices and the value of my home are a heck of a lot better uh, than the current market prices would indicate. 
So I'm not going to give up buying. That's for sure. I'll be glad I kept it. Now, all of the investment properties I buy, I use as much leverage, just another way for saying putting as many loans as I can on those properties. That maximizes the returns I earn on my equity. So I walk the talk. I am not teaching you to do something that I'm teaching you, but I don't do. Now, some people are deathly afraid of floating rate loans, and home equity lines of credit are, unless you convert them to a to fixed rate. But don't be. Simple advice. Just like if you're paying down extra on your mortgage, stop. In the case of being afraid of floating rate loans or variable rate loans, don't be. Let me give you a couple of reasons. First, as interest rates rise, you'll be able to earn higher rates using the earn a higher return strategy. Second, See, the U.S., Europe, and many other governments are raising their debt dramatically. Eventually, the only way the governments are going to be able to pay off that debt is to devalue their currencies. And as the dollar or euro weaken, inflation kicks in, and whatever currency you're working in, whether it's dollar or otherwise, that new inflated money you're earning makes it far easier to pay off that old debt, especially if it were at 5%. Let's say your interest rates are 10 or 15% and you're earning 10% more each year because of inflation. You see that old debt's going to look like cheap stuff, and you wish you had more of it. So you say, Ron, you had a good idea. Why didn't you encourage me to do more? Well, I am. And besides, even if I'm wrong, let's say that doesn't happen. Currencies don't devaluate uh, the value the way I'm saying. You're still earning a higher rate than you borrowed the money for. You're earning, let's say you're paying 5%, and you're earning 65 or 10% or 11 or 12%. You're earning, you're making money on the spread regardless of what happens to the currency. So where do you go wrong with that? Taking profits and earning money, it's hard to lose it. Anyway, I'm now getting some of our listeners beyond their comfort zone. Some are saying, but wait a minute, Ron, this sounds insane. I've never done this before. How could I do this? Well, if you're wealthy, keep doing what's been working and keep, just keep doing it. If you're not wealthy, then take a serious look at the opportunities I just outlined, using credit cards and mortgages to the max. You recall, I mentioned last week, Albert Einstein, one of his famous quotes was, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. If you're not wealthy doing what you've been doing before, take a good look at what's working for me. All right, let's summarize. We've covered a lot of ground today. We've actually covered three key topics. First of all, I said today's a great day to declare your financial independence. 20 years ago, when Croatia be declared theirs would have been a better time, as I did. But today is far better than any day in the future. Declare your financial independence. Like the U.S., Croatia, and other countries, the first step toward their independence was that declaration. Yes, it will mean a war, and I mean big sacrifice, and you'll really got to desire that wealth and that financial independence to make this first step. Do it today. Second topic, credit cards are a great source of OPM, other people's money, if used properly. If you have outstanding balances on your credit cards, you pay the standard credit card rates and you're rolling them from month to month, you have a great opportunity to earn the highest guaranteed returns available anywhere by paying them off. If that's the situation fits you, skip other investments you're making until you pay them off each month. Pay them off each month. Use them and pay them off each month. 
For those that already pay off their credit card balances monthly, congratulations. Now you're ready to use the next strategies. Use your cards more aggressively. Use them more often and start finding opportunities for 0% or very low rates. You may need to sign up for more credit cards, and when you do that, you're also going to be increasing your outstanding balances. But don't worry, you're paying very little money on that, uh, very little interest or very few fees on that money compared to what you're going to earn on that money. So during these special offers, invest that money wisely. Don't spend it, invest it. Make sure you have the money available and pay the monthly minimum balance due. And by the way, for those of you that know the Earn a Higher Return framework, you get a monthly check that is usually about what you need to pay in principle on the other. So in other words, at the end, you're ending up with more money invested than you have due on your credit card. But you have the cash each month to make those payments. And you see, the more you use these special offers, the more you'll earn. And the more you earn and use these offers, the more offers will come your way. It's starting to sound like a positive spiral. And in the process, you're improving your credit score. And what does that mean? Your credit score and your credit capacity are going up which means you'll be eligible to take more OPM, hmm. including, by the way, mortgages. And that's the third topic we talked about. The next step is to maximize your use of mortgages. It's usually the cheapest source of OPM. Invest it wisely. Don't spend it. Invest the money you get out on your mortgage, and you'll make more money than the bank makes on you. And the bank executives earn some pretty nice bonuses, don't they? And... Again, I'll remind you, if you missed the early part of the show, if you have no idea how to find investments that pay 5% or more with monthly interest checks, contact me and I'll share our secrets. About 1% of the population is aware of this earn a higher return strategy. Welcome to the 1% Club. Not coincidentally, most of those people are wealthy. They didn't have to be wealthy to use the strategy, but most of those people are wealthy including, by the way, some of the super rich, people on the Forbes 400 list. And if you're not on the Forbes 400 list, get to work. Take advantage of this strategy. Now, if you heard the last show with Kimber Lanning, focused on building your local economy, you'll realize that these OPM strategies we talked about today, because you're investing them locally, will help revive a local economy. It's your choice, of course. You can do what your teachers and your parents did. Or if you want to become financially independent, that's your choice. It's one of those two. You can't do both. Unless, of course, your parents were wealthy and then you can follow what they did. I should remind you there are archives available of all past shows, including the one with Kimber last um, couple weeks ago. They are all on www.wealthdna.us. There's a website up there. It has all of the uh, links Probably not up to date in terms of listing the the next shows as we are as we should be, but they're all on there. Let me also remind you about our next Wealth DNA Radio Show. It's the fourth Monday, July. That's Monday, July twenty fifth, eight o'clock Arizona time, same place, same time. In the next two shows, I think I mentioned already, I plan to have guests talk about other sources of OPM. These are strategies and sources of funds that most people are not aware of. Very few people are aware of, and even fewer take advantage of them. Do you remember what Robert Frost said? Taking the less traveled path has made all the difference. You can clearly earn extra money by properly investing that OPM. I know. I do. 
If you haven't received emails reminding you about this show, just send an email to ron at wealthdna.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Or click on the follow button in the upper left-hand side and get you email reminders as well. If you do have some questions on these strategies, send me an email. I, I won't be able to respond real quickly just because of my travels, but uh, I will be responding, get your notes back, and, and, and if all else fails, re-listen to the archive. I can highly suggest that we've really covered most of this stuff in there, uh, but uh, if something wasn't clear, just send me an email. Happy Financial Independence Day for those that you declared Independence Day today. Start taking full advantage of the two OPM strategies we covered today. Happy investing. You've been listening to Wealth DNA with the Ronald, Ron Naraki. Wealth DNA is a Boomer and the Babe Enterprises radio production. Contact them at boomerandthebabe.com.